uh, our church has been going for four years, nearly five. We turn five on March the 18th. And so, um, which is kind of annoying for me as the pastor, because for the last number of years, I've been able to kind of say, yeah, we're in church plant, we're kind of new. And it's like, now it's like, no, dude, you're going to school now, like five years old, it's time to kind of, so, uh, but what has been so, so I've got to kind of work on a whole bunch of stuff that I've been putting off working on, because it's like, no, it's time the church acted like his age, probably not actually, you know, well, whatever, you know, um, but... Uh, one of the things that's been so encouraging is, in spite of two of those years being really weird with COVID stuff and lockdowns and lots of controversy, four years ago, four and a, nearly five, four, no, four years ago, we um, we just presented the church. You know, here's the vision that we believe the Lord's called us to, and um, I was reflecting on this because I was talking to some um, AOG pastors uh, this week about discipleship stuff and. Um, and they're like, you know, how, how can you help build a discipleship culture in your church? And I'm like, you've just got to be super repetitive, it turns out. And, you know, I think because a lot of people, we hear inspiring talks all the time. But it's like, no, we've actually been super consistent because it was actually the Lord that called us to these three things, which were to pursue the, his presence or to go after being with him corporately and personally, um, to become like him, to be his disciples, not just to believing in him, but to genuinely have our lives orientated around him. And then to do what he did. He's got a heart for this region. He's got a heart for that lonely person in your workplace. He's got a heart for every poor and broken person in this region. And so we want to have his heart. Uh, and, and ultimately, we want to see people come home to know the love and presence of Jesus. And so what's been beautiful is that now that we've been consistent about this and just tried to do everything we can, you know, like how can we as a church help facilitate that in folks' lives, we're now at the point where a couple of years in, people have been giving it a nudge for a couple of years. And it's really cool. We've got testimony now, not just theory. Uh, and so what we're going to do this morning is hear from a bunch of people who have, in their own little ways, tried to live this out. Uh, which is just going to be really encouraging. But before we do that, just a reminder of a couple of things. Matthew 16, verse 24 says uh, this. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Yay! Like, oh no, really? I just want the kingdom of comfort and the kingdom of God. I want my cross with a pillow. You know, I don't want to... Uh, but it doesn't stop there. But for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Like big words. And we've just discovered that reality. Um, and I'm sure you have as, you've, as you kind of sink deeper into following Jesus. Like disciples were like, where else can we go? You're the one with the words of eternal life. Like we've tried other places. Every human being has tried to find life for their soul in other places, without exception. And you just wind up short. It just doesn't satisfy. You either have dreams that don't come true and they crush you, or you have dreams that do come true and they're really empty. Hey! Now, that's a little bit of an overstatement, but it can, you know, that can be often our experience. Uh, we can go, all of us go through grief and pain, and we can run to Jesus for healing, or we can anesthetize our pain through different things, medicating ourselves, which numbs our souls and months us up, we can, or we can run to the healer. But uh, it requires picking up a cross and saying, oh, I'm going to die 
to like my priorities, my pride, my agenda, and I'm going to choose the way of Jesus, and that's how you find life. That's how your soul flourishes. The story doesn't end on Friday. It ends on Sunday. Hallelujah. And so um, I believe in a prosperity doctrine. It's just not health and wealth. Because like literally the Bible says, outwardly we're wasting away. <laughs> like everyone's going to die 100% track record. As you get older, your body just wears out. Yay. I believe there are signs of the kingdom, signs of that future age that break in. I believe in healing 100%. Oh, don't get me wrong. Um, but here's where I believe in the prosperity doctrine is in the prosperity of your soul and the prosperity of your relationships. That's where the Bible points to prosperity. And so even though you can be in prison like Paul was for much of the epistles, your soul can be flourishing. And he wrote, I mean, I think and we're going to have to talk to the team, but I'm wondering whether we explore Philippians this year as our, you know, we always go through a book of the Bible. Because I'm like, it's just joy under the worst circumstances. <laughs> I'm like, man, it's just so good. Anyway, so the three things that we're calling us to, because we're like, this is what it means to follow Jesus, to orientate your life around these three things, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did if he was you and your work and your family, whatever like that. Those are th- so how can we just orientate our lives around that? Well, we can do that by uh, choosing uh, to prioritize this community that's made this division. Uh, and you can do that. You can say yes to Jesus, and we've given you these five things uh, in terms of what your yes looks like, to practice the way of Jesus, um, to uh, commit to gathering community, have a huddle up, a click, a home church, gather on Sundays, serve and give. I'm not going to unpack those because I've unpacked those in the last couple of weeks, uh, but that's what we're calling our church to in this vision series. So without further ado, this morning I've invited a number of people to come and share something of their story from the last couple of years. Elise, you're going to go first, if that's all right. Um, and, uh, and so... Uh, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And uh, so we often have little testimonies kind of in our communion slot, but we haven't done too much of this, but it's really cool that we can do that this morning to hear from folks in our church that have done their best uh, in their own way to outwork this in their own life. So would you give a warm welcome to Elise Tan. Morning. I'm just going to read this out because I'm not very good with public speaking. I should sing it for you. No. (laughs) All right. So, reflections on my Christian journey over the last few years. When we moved to Hawke's Bay three years ago, I think I was a tad disillusioned about the whole Christian life thing. I had personally been through a period of renovating my theology after discovering the world of biblical scholarship through the likes of Tim Mackey, Tom Wright, and Greg Boyd. So I was in a good place with my personal belief system, but a bit lost when it came to the day-to-day business of being a Christian. It had become a very small part of my world in a way. But if you're a Christian for long, and I have been for 33 years now, you come to realize that it's quite unsatisfying if it's just a little add-on in your life. Over the last three years, I have felt like Jesus is becoming more and more involved in my everyday life. And this week, I have been reflecting on three things which I think have contributed to this positive change. Firstly, a practical teaching on prayer. Since coming to Bay Vineyard Church, I have discovered tools such as set prayers, silence and stillness, contemplation, prayer books, liturgy and devotional apps like Lectio 365 and Pray As You Go. Now I have a scaffolding to build my prayer time around. It's not just me going through the same old list of requests. I find prayer is less intimidating now. The second thing I've been reflecting on is community. Upper Click and Home Church are both keys for me. Midweek gatherings where I'm encouraged to just keep going, keep learning, keep trying new things in my devotional life. 
These midweek opportunities to discuss the struggles, the frustrations, the ruts you can get into are so important. I've been given so many ideas to try, different tools to use, and new ways of looking at things, which have helped me to develop a devotional life that's now becoming a normal part of my day. The third thing I have been reflecting on is Sunday gatherings. I love having a cheerleader to cheer me on in my walk with Jesus every week. (laughs) Thank you. You may be seated. (laughs) Someone to remind you why you're doing it all, to remind you of the bigger picture. This is a great place to invest your time and money because honestly, I don't know where I'd be without these weekly reminders of what really matters in life. It's a place where we can lift our gaze off the everyday tasks we spend so much energy on, take a deep breath and remember what's really important, and to have people who spend their weekdays praying for us and seeking Jesus and listening to what the Spirit is saying to us as a community so they can encourage us and cheer us on and keep us on track is priceless. I'd like to finish by saying thank you to this church community for providing a place where I can learn about the Bible, where I can be challenged and encouraged in my Christian walk, and where I feel safe to be honest about the struggles also. Thank you to all of you. Um, just, I'm just going to add a little thing. This morning when we had prayer meeting, I just had a picture of a tree. And there's, the tree is like not much to look at at all, maybe a little plant or something. But underneath, the roots are just slowly going deeper. And I feel like in our day-to-day devotional life, every little bit of effort, every little minute that we try to sit with God and to hear his voice, that's like that root just pushing one more millimeter through the dirt. And I just want you guys to be encouraged. Every little bit makes a difference, even if you can't see anything changing on the top. Wonderful. Wasn't that great? So good. Um, I haven't asked these guys to do this, but we're definitely going to do this now. Sorry, Elise. But... um, I'd love us at the end of this morning for those that have shared some testimonies to pray for anyone that just wants some encouragement. They're like, well, if that was you, you know, if you're like, oh man, that's me. I feel like you can't see much, but I've been trying. Um, I think it'd be lovely for Elise just to pray for you that, that you'd be encouraged. Great joy to welcome Josh Badger up, who's also going to share this morning. Good morning. So my name's Josh. Um, for those people that haven't met me yet, I've been here for about two years. I'm a very regular um, Upper Click member, and I think that has been a massive, massive difference in my life. Um, I was going to go on about that, but I thought I'd talk about my journey over the last uh, the last year, which has been a bit of a rough one, but also hugely rewarding. So the last year, um, my my dad got diagnosed with cancer, and um, which was terminal, um, and he. He passed away about a, uh, about a month ago. So I just want to share my thoughts and, my, and how, um, how awesome it was going through that journey with God. So it started about a year ago, and uh, I was hunting with Dad and my, and my boys, and it was a hot summer's day like this one. And um, we were down um, in the river, and we'd stripped off to our undies, and we were doing some bombs off this rock. And um, God really put this, this thought in my mind that um, you, need to, <laughs> you need to use this time wisely. Um, because not, he's not going to be around forever. So um, that was something that was just burning away at my head for quite a while. And it was like, yep, cool. And and I was. I spent a lot of time with Dad. I just, I've got no regrets. And, uh, you know, rang him and all that. And it was great. And I loved that. Um, fast forward to September. And uh, we had, oh, we invited Dad over for, um, for dinner because it was uh, Father's Day. And I felt the need to just write down real quickly in this book, just 
a thing of gratitude to him, a letter of gratitude, just saying how awesome he is and how wonderful he is and how much I, I appreciate him. And one of the random things I wrote in there when I was doing it, um, which sounds a bit weird, but I wrote that I sensed his impeding, um, his impeding mortality, which is quite an odd thing to write in a letter to someone that, uh, that you love. Um, but that's how, that's how I felt, so I thought, oh, well, I've got to chuck it in there. And I, I didn't even write it nice. It sort of looked like this. It was actually very much like this. I ripped it out of my diary, much to my wife's dismay. She, was, she said there was spelling mistakes and a whole bunch of ugliness that you couldn't read, but that's fine. I felt I needed to give it to him then. <clears throat> and um, two weeks later, he was, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, so I was like, okay, well, apparently you were right. So... Um, but God gave us four months of dad, which um, doesn't sound like a long time, but for someone who we thought was going to die real quick, real like that, um, because he'd been in hospital, I think, I was just counting back, I think in the last 10 years, there were four times in hospital that I thought he was going to die, like tomorrow. So um, to be given four months was just like a godsend. It was like, oh, thank you so much that you've given us this time. And I, and I feel like God really gave us that time because he wanted to prepare us as a family to, um, to let him go. Um, and to not leave any of those questions, you know. Um, so that was awesome. Um, <clears throat> we had an amazing Christmas with, with all of our family. Um, my, two, my two siblings and their family both came from different parts of New Zealand to, um, to be with us. And then Boxing Day, he went downhill real fast. Um, but we were all there, which is awesome. Like God's provision again. Hey. Um, in his final, final hours, he sort of called us in. It's like one of those movies, you know, like... <laughs> He calls you into his bedside and you got one at a time. We got time to um, spend with Dad, which <laughs> is awesome. And in that time, we were able to pray together. We got given, this is what I want on your life, um, which, which is amazing. And Dad gave me his blessing. So that was like huge. Um, same with our kids. My boys prayed for dad, and I'm like, wow, you're going to carry that the rest of your life? You know, that's their last interaction, which is awesome. Sorry. <laughs> I was also able to be with dad in those last, those last hours with my auntie Jenny over here. And um, when he was doing the tough stuff, when he was really struggling, and um, that was, again, such a blessing to be able to serve, serve the man that you love the most um, in that time. And it was also such a good grieving thing because I felt like God was saying, you know, you can let go of him now. <laughs> he doesn't want to be with you. He wants to be with me. So it was like, yeah, that's cool. Off you go. But that just settled my spirit so much. <laughs> and um, the big thing that's really been on me and what keeps coming through my mind is, is God's peace. And um, I didn't really know what that was, but I've got a very good idea now. It certainly does surpass all understanding, and, and it has guarded my heart and my mind. Like, I feel so good, and I feel guilty because of that at times, because I'm like, why have I got joy? You know? Yeah. So through this journey, I've really felt God's hand on my life in the way that he prepared me for it, and the way that he guided me through it, and the way that he's comforting me at the moment. God used my father's death to mold and shape me and to bless me. He gave me an amazing testimony to share, and I've been doing it a lot, which is great, because this story that I'm telling you, I can say to non-Christians, and they are open to hear it, which is sort of still blowing my mind a little bit. 
and I get asked often how the answer, uh, sorry, I get asked often, how are you doing? How are you doing at the moment? And, um, and the honest answer at the moment is like, I'm at peace. <laughs> you know, and that's only God, eh? I'm at peace. He's, God gifted me closure and he's gifted me a blessing. And um, what more can I ask for? So that's my story. Thanks, Josh. Brilliant. Yeah, so proud of uh, Josh and the whole family. It's lovely to have Chris here with us as well today. Um, yeah, I just saw you before. I was like, oh, hello. Um, there was um, an amazing privilege to just witness the journey you guys took during that whole time. And, um, and again, full credit, Josh, because you've done the work on your devos and that life, inner life of Jesus before you hit the storm, which is just so wise. Um, and, and the thing that deeply impacted me over what you guys, well, I mean, just how Stuart died, um, it really struck me because many of you guys will know, like, one of my favourite books is this book called Sacred Fire by Ronald Rollheiser. And it's all about formation. And it's the idea that uh, there's three kind of major stages to our life. The first part of our life, we get our life together, <laughs> like learn how to budget and make the bed and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but then for the vast majority of our life, we have to learn what it does it look like to give our life away as a blessing for others. But then the final stage of, his life, uh, of, our, of our journey of formation, he says, is learning to give our deaths away. And we give our life away by our activity, but we give our deaths away in our passivity by letting people look after us and bless us and blessing people as we die. And man, like Stuart just nailed that. It was unbelievable watching that unfold before my eyes. And Ronald Rollheiser concludes that the greatest blessing we will probably leave is how we died. You know, it's not actually all the stuff we did in our life, but in the way that we died can often be the greatest blessing that we have to those around us. And, like, I just feel the – like, I was at the funeral, and it's like I'd met Stuart once or twice, but it was like, man, that thing impacted me. <laughs> it was like, wow. So um, just lovely, again, just to um, witness the importance of our discipleship journey uh, through all the things of life. Because these – again, Jesus promised us storms, it's not like when, it's if the storms come. It's not if, sorry, it's when. Um, but it's like, man, you do the work, then you're on the rock during that storm, and that makes all the difference. All right, just, uh, man, without further ado, uh, Bruce, I'm going to invite you to come up. Bruce is just one of these living legends. We, um, before we moved to the bay, we felt called to plant here, and we had this beautiful word where someone said, um, there are people that are, are not in church, but they're going to be in your church for the first time, and that's going to be their first church. And, um, and Bruce, unbeknownst to us, had come to faith, but hadn't gone to fellowship. And, um, and then most of you guys that are part of our church know a story where he felt like the Lord, after being a Christian for about a year, said, it's time to get into fellowship. And uh, so he kind of randomly saw our signs, turned up to church, sat outside for a while, freaking out. And then um, the Lord said to him, and I've never forgotten this, saddle up. <laughs> saddle up, Bruce. And so he plucked up the courage to walk in, met my wonderful mother-in-law, Nan. And, um, and man, is, is it literally a treasure, your tanga in our church, Bruce. And so anyway, just going to hand over to Bruce to share a bit of his story as well. I was just listening to Stuart's story and, uh, man, my bottom lip started to wobble, Stuart. <laughs> because um, last week, uh, me and my wife um, uh, took on the uh, commitment to... Um, be caregiver for my dad, who's um, suffering with dementia at the moment. And um, just listening to what Stuart was saying, like, 
Oh, is it Stuart or Josh? Sorry, Josh. Oh, sorry, Josh. But yeah, mate, oh, man. Hugging my heart out to you, man. Yeah, it's a big thing. Uh, and, um, you know, through this whole journey with my dad, it hasn't been a good thing with my dad growing up. Um, there was a lot of bitterness in me and unforgiveness because he walked out on us. And um, so the Lord, he's been taking me through this journey of um, healing my heart and helping me with the bitterness and the unforgiveness. I remember uh, two weeks ago, I was in hospital visiting him in Masterton, and um, I thought I'd I'd go to church in Masterton on a Sunday just to get some fellowship. And um, it was a beautiful service. Solway Church, Guy Pastor Ricky knows Beth. And um, it was beautiful. But it was right at the end of the service as I was leaving, this little kid runs up to me and gives me this letter, you know, this painting, and I walked down and I opened it up and it said, uh, let Jesus into your heart. And I just thought, man, Lord, you brought me all the way to Masterton <laughs> so a little kid could give me this message to let Jesus into my heart. And, uh, and that, that letter now, uh, that painting hangs on my fridge and every time I walk past it, it just helps me you know, um, to let Jesus into my heart, to let him do the healing. And I believe um, with my last times with my dad here, I believe, um, you know, that's what the Lord's doing, is shaping my heart, um, helping me with my bitterness and my unforgiveness. So uh, that's me, whānau. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. Bruce. um, Again, like this is is what... uh, so hard. There's lots of stories we can tell about the be with Jesus thing because we're focused on that a lot. Lots of re- this is what it means to become like Jesus is to let him into it, Jesus into my heart that's bro- bit broken, bit bruised, that's gone through some stuff. And then it's how the healing comes. And so thank you, Bruce. And, uh, and that's the, the journey we're all on is to trust Jesus with our hearts so that he can bring healing to them. Wonderful. Ross and Rosie, where are you guys? Right at the back. So um, I have to pad this out. Uh, Ross and Rosie, great people, live on my street. <laughs> Ross into swimming, Rosie into ceramics. <laughs> no. These guys oversee um, our uh, intermediates, now youth, which is really cool. Um, and again, just been amazing watching their journey over the last couple of years. They've been with us since the start. So, um, yeah. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Um, yep, so I'm Ross. Um, this is Rosie. Just in case you didn't know, um, yeah, we arrived in Napier about five years ago, um, pretty burnt out from life in general, but for me especially, um, from church too, um, I had a pretty significant time of struggling after my mum died, like 17 years, um, with, um, yeah, not really, ending up not really knowing who Jesus was, um, but I knew, I knew that he was real, so I couldn't really walk away from God, um, Really, I had two main reasons for coming to church. One, we were in a new place, and church is a good place to meet people, and um, Rosie wanted me to as well. So, um, yeah. Um. Um, yeah, so when we arrived from Auckland, we were both pretty burnt out, um, especially me parenting four little kids, and I wasn't too pleased to move away from our 12 years of support and friendships. So I knew in the back of my mind, oh, God, you're going to look after us. But my heart was not feeling the same way at all. 
Um, I knew that finding a church would be vital for us to connect and make friendships. Um, Ross and I weren't really on the same page um, when it came to Christianity. Although, um, although I wasn't doing regular devotions, um, I knew that the, those who did do regular devotions, they were the A-plus Christians. <laughs> and that just seemed too impossible for me, so I just settled for the C-minus grade. <laughs> So we quickly became friends with Charlotte and Luke. Um, they moved into a house just a couple of doors down from us. Um, and they seemed sort of relatively normal for Christians. Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, we, um, we did spend a little time sort of um, church shopping and went to a couple of different churches, um, but really ended up thinking that Bay Vineyard would probably be the best fit for our tribe. Um, and over the course of the... Um, last five years, I've come to know Jesus in a really profound and personal way. I've tried a lot of different ways to engage with him, and not all of them have been successful, and it has been hard sometimes. Um, but I've really enjoyed, um, you know, silence and solitude, um, and I think that's probably a common theme for both of us, and it's hard to find with four kids. Um, but also reflecting quietly on scripture and guided prayer. Um, Elise spoke before about... Um, Lectio 365, and that, I found that really helpful. Um, but also, critically, connecting with other people, um, whether that's in like a home church or upper click or a huddle. I now know as well how to have a quiet time, something that I was told that I should do from a very young age, but was never really shown how to do it. Um, yeah. yeah. I've also learnt um, how to listen to podcasts, um, which probably more an indication of how rubbish I am with technology, um, but that's allowed me to bathe in um, sort of kingdom ideas um, with far greater frequency than just on a Sunday morning. Okay, so um, as we settled into the church here, we started making small changes with our lifestyle and devotional practices. We learned so much from the home church resources, um, John Mark Comer, Emotionally Healthy spiritu Spirituality. And I did a lot of work with the Enneagram and on family of origin. We, we did get stuck with the Sabbath rest due to work, Ross's work patterns. Um, but that's been resolved now. He's changed jobs. So that was a great um, answer for us. We learned how to do practices rather than just you're meant to do them. It was that the how, how do you get to it. Um, so like a lot of people have said, we were allowed to try out different tools for ourselves, how to connect with God. And I mostly enjoy journaling and the silence and solitude. And my huddle group has also been great to keep accountable and encouraged. So it's been five years of ups and downs and trial and error, but we have managed to stick with it to varying degrees. So the biggest change for me has been um, a feeling of like real contentment. Um, in the past, I've always been um, somebody who's looking for their next adventure or buying the next thing or whatever. Um, and I'm sure that all, you know, I'm a good little capitalist and I'm sure that's going to be, um, you know, poking me in the, the bum fairly frequently. But I'm pretty happy with um, how we are now. Um, and the song that we were singing just now felt like a real word, to me at least. I don't want to live for pleasure. Faithfulness is what I seek. Help me not to live distracted. Let your kingdom come in me. So, yeah, that's felt really quite profound to me. So, yeah. And I think the biggest changes for me have been a real increase in joy as I felt 
the permission to pursue my passions and my dreams, which most of you know is ceramics, and youth ministry. I've also felt more depth and peace in my soul through those spiritual practices. Ross and I are so much more intentional about our faith, about our life choices. We often listen to the same podcast so we can talk about God and our, our faith and we evaluate where, we, where we're at. And of course, we um, are working alongside each other doing the youth ministry, which is a real dream of mine. As I've alluded to um, before, devotional practice didn't seem to be a particular priority when I was a youngster back in the late 1900s. Um, <laughs> but we are really, really excited to be encouraging the young people in them and like actually discipling them now. Um, and knowing just how valuable those practices can be has given us a real desire to serve those young people like that. And yeah, so that's us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Oh, man, I'm so encouraged. <laughs> this is the best Sunday ever. Just love it. You know, because the danger is, you can, I've said this a few times, you can be a two-year-old Christian that's been in church for 20 years, but you just keep cycling in that same, you know. And, um, you know, Dallas Willard said that grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. So we, like, we just receive the free gift of grace, but grace doesn't oppose us to effort. In fact, in Titus, says, make, like, grace teaches us how to live holy lives. So what I love about this, again, all the stuff that we've been trying to just champion in the church is like spiritual practices and disciplines, like there should be just like this continual slow growth of sinking deeper into these practices that for thousands of years, they're all throughout the scriptures and they're all throughout church history, people have used to orientate their life around Jesus. To, to orientate their lives so that they would be, uh, their love would be at the centre, that would be formed into people of love. So I'm just so encouraged. Thank you. Lastly, Fraser, uh, more recent addition to our church and made his debut on guitar this morning. Very, very nice. Thank you, Fraser. Uh, so Fraser's just going to share a little bit of his story and then I'm going to have some closing thoughts. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you. Way more nervous about this than playing guitar. I'm telling you that. So I'm just going to read it. Um, so yeah, I sort of think about what to say, um, but Sam spoke last week about being flat out in ministry but not having that intention, like the internal relationship with God, and I could just totally relate to that. So we've been coming to this church since about May last year, and um, but when we were still at our last church, we were pretty heavily involved and, and just busy doing things f- sort of for God and not with God, um, sort of slip into that. And I got invited from a friend from this church to come along to Upper Click, and so I started going to the Napier One. And um, it was just awesome. It was just not only the accountability, but just as we've sort of talked about a little bit, the wisdom and the, uh, that was there, but also the tools that they give you to sort of help you. I was a bit like that. I know I'm supposed to have quiet time, and I'm supposed to sit down and do something. I could read this bit of my Bible, but, you know, it just wasn't really hitting the way I wanted it to. And I realized pretty quickly that Sam, he wasn't just saying what he thought we should do as a pastor. He'd sort of decided however long ago to do it and he was living it out. And so a lot of his wisdom and his um, tools and all of that was from him sort of living it out daily and knowing what's involved in the challenges and stuff like that. Um, So while I was going to that, it was super inspirational, but at the same time, it was kind of hard because it really wanted me it made me really want to be part of this family and what was going on here. Um, and so I had a lot of FOMO. And I, so at one point I t- turned off the notifications for the group chat. I still remember this. Because um, I was just pinging up all the time. I was like, ah. Oh. And um, I told some of the guys. And then I, the next upper click I went to, I sat on Sam's left. 
And he's like, all right, so we'll have a chat about what I put on the group chat there, and we'll just we'll start from the left. And I remember Matt Kim looked me dead in the eyes. He's like, how's those no notifications going, Fraze? It's like, bro. So, so that was hard. Um, so long story short, like Sam, I just got sick of being in ministry and just each time going, man, I really, I'm on worship this week or I'm doing this this week. I really need to sort myself out. And that's all right. There's grace sort of for one time. But then if you do it the next time and the next time, I just really was, I was like, man, I can't just keep saying this. I really need to sort something out. And um, yeah, and so the upper clicks really helped with that. All the tools have really helped with that. Um, my wife, Abby, knows that I, I love setting goals and planning stuff out. So last week when we got the handout, she was looking at me. She's like, oh, you love this, eh? Like, this is everything you want in one handout. Um, which is sort of true, but I, I was also encouraged because when I looked at it, I was like, oh, I'm kind of already doing this, and it really just needed tweaks. And so, so that was kind of a win where if I just look at where I was last May and the things I was struggling with and all of that and just, just really trying to push in there. And I guess the one thing... To, to leave you with, if, if that's how you want to put it, is just, it's really, really easy when it's harder, when you've fallen off the wagon or whatever, to stop going, but that's when you really got to push and just suck up your pride and just keep going because, yeah, most other people are in the same boat or, or whatever, but it's, man, when you come out the other side of it, it's just so much deeper than if it was just easy the whole time or, but yeah, don't suck up the pride and just, just keep going and just um, try and push through and that's, that's me. Brilliant. Love it. Thank you. Brilliant. Humble pie. Everyone's favourite pie, man. You've got to eat that humble pie if you want to follow Jesus. Lastly, Jen's just going to share a few thoughts, then we're going to wrap up. Well, I just wanted to encourage us as a community that this growth isn't just happening with the adults, but it's happening with the kids. And I get to see that firsthand as a mother, but some of you who may not have kids in the kids' church may not know, so I just wanted to share an encouraging story. So two of my sons are in the Baker Seniors, and this year they have been talking about praying, about having a word, just a word that maybe God's um, impressing on their heart or inviting them into something like a theme for the year. And one of my kids said to me recently, oh, I've chosen a word. And he explained to me all about what they were doing. And he said, my word is listen. He said, I know I can be really bossy and take over sometimes. Sadly, he takes after me, I think, on that one. And he said, so I'm really going to try and just listen to God and listen to others. And I just thought, how beautiful is that, that that's what's happening with our kids he has started doing a devotional in the mornings and just really enjoying it. And we are seeing the fruit of that. So we're just seeing beautiful growth in the kids being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what he did. Yeah. So thank you to uh, everyone that's involved with um, our children's and families ministries. Thank you to um, Ross and Rosie and those that are looking after the older folks. But just massive thank you to, to Charlotte. Like she watches um, our service when she goes home every week, and we honour you, Charlotte. Like um, we, we are here. Our, our our absolute burning desire is that people be formed into Christ's image. Be with him, become like him, do what he did. But that's not just for the boring adults. <laughs> Literally, we're, we're, we're talking strategically. Like, what do we need in preschool? What do we need in bakers? What do we need them through so we can we can just, by the time they finish high school, they're fully formed as disciples of Jesus, ready for uni. We historically, 67% of Christians have walked away from their faith. Like, so... Um, 
so just in closing, a couple of thoughts. Um, we've said this many, many times. It's not a matter of whether um, you're choosing formation or not. It's whether you're choosing formation in Jesus or not. You are being formed. We swim in culture. We, every sitcom you watch is forming a worldview. Every, the 5,000 plus advertisements you see are forming you, mainly in discontent. There's so, like, you are being formed. Uh, and so we have to be really intentional about counterformation in the way of Jesus. And with this, the strength of the formation and culture for worldview, um, and with how uh, we've struggled with discipleship in the church, we're realizing this is actually legitimately serious and we have to be very, very earnest about it. So if you've been wondering why we've been talking about huddles, upper clicks, and home churches, you're like, what is that? Uh, huddles are very small groups that, uh, that engage weekly to be accountable about following the practices of the way of Jesus. Upper clicks are, are around uh, devotional practices and they meet around the place. Any of, if you like, you want to get involved in any of this stuff, jump on our website or have a go over to info. And home churches are all geared around, around learning practices of the way of Jesus. Um, and all the research now says without um, some form of accountability, it's very, very difficult to, to achieve a goal which is why we can get stuck in our Christian faith. But we've seen people, and, and honestly, we could have a whole lot more people give testimony this morning, which is super encouraging. But from people who heard this morning, they've got out of that rut, mainly because in the midst of what God's been drawing them into, they've had community. They've been, going, they've, they've been held accountable to this stuff. And that will see you change. Now, a uh, couple of thoughts, and then we're going to close in prayer. And, and I'd love to invite those that have shared their testimony this morning to come up in a second and to pray for anyone this morning that's, again, that, that is up for following the way of Jesus, which means you eat some humble pie, and you say, I want more of what you've got, you know? I want what she's having, whatever that horrible lab was, right? It's like you, you want more of Jesus, then, you know, well, come up and let's pray that God would, just, uh, would stir up a passion in your heart for him. You've got to tend to the flame. You've got to keep choosing him. You've got to keep saying yes to Jesus. Um, I come into land with this. N.T. Wright, in my opinion, the finest uh, and most prolific and most respected New Testament scholar in the world today who knows Greek, and he, uh, Greek backwards, forwards, left and right, reads the Bible in the original language and knows Roman culture like you wouldn't believe. that whole, like He is the man. This is what he says. The aim of the Christian life in the present time the goal you are meant to be aiming at once you have come to faith, the goal that is within reach even in the present life, anticipating the final life to come, is the life of fully formed, fully flourishing Christian character. So once you come to faith, it's about that, getting your character formed, being transformed from glory to glory. And this is the, 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 new, the apostolic vision of the New Testament is Christ formed in his people. That is the vision. Like Paul's literally like, it's like I'm like a mother in childbirth that Christ would be formed in you. <laughs> Again, bold metaphor, Paul. You, right, you know, you know <laughs> dudes shouldn't be able to use that metaphor. But whatever, man, you used it. He's, like, he's just groaning, longing, uh, Colossians, to, to present you fully mature in Christ, which means you can be immature in Christ. But the goal of this community is to do everything we can to help you 
that you're in your maturity journey with Jesus Christ, that you'd grow. That, I love this. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, listen, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Like we have been transformed from glory to glory. Uh, and that's the, the, the work of the Spirit within us. So I want to encourage you to say yes to Jesus and to continue to say yes to Jesus. Do not get stuck. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't, you know, I'm 41, I'm 10, 42 this year. You know, the year is starting to fly past. I'm looking at 50s on the horizon, all that sort of stuff. Like anyone that's older than me is like, yeah, man, freaky how quick it goes. But I'm like, I want to be 70 and still growing and learning. I want to be 80 and still growing and learning. And I come into land with this. I, I'm very passionate about sanctification, which is the theological term for what we're talking about. And the reason is because I don't think it's a pipe dream anymore. I, you know, you, you change so slowly, some of us can get discouraged. Like, can you actually change to become more like Jesus? I'm so, you know, you feel stuck. Some of us have been stuck for years or decades. And it's like, you can lose hope that this is actually the case. But here's the thing. My, my grandfather, who I've talked about many times in this church, he is the reason I believe deeply in sanctification. Because he indeed got transformed from glory to glory. And he became the holiest man I ever knew, this, this side of eternity. Like I would hang out with Pop, and it's like, I would feel convicted, stirred up, challenged. I'd really need to repent after hanging out with him. You know, I just was captivated with the beauty of God and all he had done is talk about how wonderful his rose garden looked. So how do you do that? And, and you know how you do that? Is that you, say, you just keep saying yes to Jesus. Dallas Willard said, how do you become a saint? He said, you just do the next right thing. You do the next right thing. And you keep doing that? You're going to become a holy man or woman of God whose death is a blessing because you're just... And like honestly, when my grandfather died, it was like the heaven was in the room. It was like, it was, it was the thinnest place I've ever been. It was holy. He heard angels. It was the whole kit and caboodle, man. It was just... And I'm like, that's what I want my story to be. And the biggest compliment I've been given in my life was on my 40th birthday when my wife said, you're tracking in the right direction. To, to being like your grandfather. The biggest compliment I've ever been given by my wife on my 40th. And like that's God's desire. So how do you do that? You eat some humble pie and you say yes to Jesus.